I thank you kindly for firing up the podcast system. That's cast with me, podcast system. With me, Lovey. And yes, that is my real name. Every episode, I tackle something new in the world of politics, pop culture, race, and the lack of relations. Be sure to subscribe and enjoy every shady moment. Be hashtag blessed, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, and Happy New Year. It is 2021, and I think we made it a good old, what, six days without some catastrophe taking place. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited. I'm in the closet with Brother Jay, and coming from New York, we have our mutual friend, my friend, Ian, who works in marketing, but is my go-to buddy for all things pop culture, Oh, pop, pop news culture. like you are you are pop who i call culture. when i'm like wait are we watching this together and throwing I'm, shade and yes, i'm very good everybody. for the quirky remark that's what i'm i'm <laughs> one of my strengths yes do you know how many people though on facebook will message me and say who is he in like how do i become friends with him and what i want you to pay to hang out and watch that the news with him etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyway so jake ian and myself we're going to talk about the first, what is it, 19, we're nine days in. We, we are nine, nine days in. 2021. The year that was supposed to be better than 2020. And here we are. So, Ian, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts thus far on, I guess, what we could call the chaos that has ensued in the last week or two? I have so many thoughts, to be honest with you. It's kind of a, I think my first thought is it's it's actually sort of a the logical culmination of the path we've been on since trump came on the scene in 2015 like there's it's just been a my view sort of an escalation of emotion and an escalation of political thought and an escalation of political behavior that as you continue to escalate there's there's nowhere to go but to some kind of like explosion um and that is that is what happened on the Mm -hmm. sixth You, you literally saw an explosion that's like my first thought. And then my other thought is I was working on the day and mm-hmm. I have a friend who lives in DC. He texted me like in the morning. He was like, oh my God, this is crazy. They are acting up. And I was like, I didn't really pay it. Like it's a protest. I would expect something to happen. Right. And then he, he texted again and I was like, mm, okay. And so I like clicked to CNN and I saw capital breach. And I said, okay, that's interesting. Okay. What does that mean? I'm not quite sure. There were pictures, people, you know, hands in the air, fists in the air, whatever. But it wasn't until 4.30 when I was like, let me just turn on the TV and see what's going on. And that was my first moment of understanding the state of emergency, like our government and our democracy was in. As, as, and I turned to my computer and I pinged somebody and, and I kind of jokingly said, so if we may not have democracy in a couple of days, why am I working so hard right now? And at that right. point... I like I just couldn't work it, and I was glued to the television till about two thirty and three o'clock in the morning. Like it was, oh lord! And with each passing hour, just it was um, an increasing awareness of what had happened over the course of the day. And what I think is interesting is 
we were able to see things and understand things in real time because of technology and because of mm -hmm. the speed of the internet and the speed of news and the speed of social media. You had eyewitness real-time accounts coming through feeds and coming through, I was not even the news, you kind of got it before the news was even telling you. And um, the first kind of, the first sort of produced piece that was mm -hmm. actually very good, I saw posted maybe around six or seven in the evening and the thing that struck me was it was it was um i think a british reporter from itv who was embedded in the group so he was with them as they were charging into the capital and but the, the reporting on it was very good in that they he took you through the context of what was going on and why it was happening and it was less editorial and it was actual journalism and I thought that was interesting. And it was interesting that I got it from an international news source versus the news, the US news sources that were just very focused on immediacy and the hype of it, because it is a it is an event, it is it is breaking news. But it was not surprisingly just sort of covered in a very sensationalistic way. Mm -hmm. so those are like two leading thoughts about this week and what's happened. And Brother Jake, we were together watching with the kids and I hadn't been watching the news much over the last nine to 10 months because I just, I'd rather not. It's but this was, yeah, this was the first time in a long time. So what, what were your first? Uh... Um, well, I was napping. Uh, Sorry. I was taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I think so actually. Okay. Um... <laughs> I, li I like to live an indulgent life. That's my excuse. And so, you know, I woke house. up. I support it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's your house, but I have to go now. So, you know, mm -hmm. so I wake up and, you know, I got an Apple News alert saying that the Capitol has been breached, and, you know, as you mentioned. And, you know, my initial reaction is just like, well, maybe a few people just stormed in or something like that and got arrested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I didn't think that much of it. And then mm -hmm. I start to see pictures and, and, you know, I got friends texting me and then you start looking at the news coverage and it's like, and each hour since then to this mo very moment, the gravity of the mm -hmm. event, you know, the, very, the yeah. incredible significance of it. I mean, this mm -hmm. was, they almost overthrew democracy and established and installed a tyranny. Yes, I mean, uh, if they were I mean, this a little is, more coordinated, just had a few more weapons and yeah. Because they had a plan, they knew where they were going. Like it's, they they just well, if they had gotten more... in, the, if they had gotten in there um, a little bit quicker and had quicker. seized hold of Congress people, they could have right. kidnapped them and and literally shut down the legislature. At which point, the president probably established some emergency powers and wouldn't have a body, uh, a centralized body of government to stop him. And so, you know, and, and they were that's what they went to do. They went to go kidnap and kill the Congress. That is Republicans and Democrats. And and so that's also the best part. You know, they were going to kill the Republicans too. You know, you, you see the because as you mentioned, we live in an age of social media technology. So we're not finding out about what their intentions are from media reports. No. We are watching videos of them clearly expressing what they want to do. And the videos I'm saying, they're like, we're going to go in there and we're going to hang these people. We're going to, mm -hmm. we're going to uh, arrest them. We're taking back our house. They're referring to the Capitol as their house. Mm -hmm. you know? their and house. they're even explicitly saying, like, this is our country, not theirs. Mm -hmm. And who's mm -hmm. here that is not a, 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 
dispossessor of this country, right? And so this is an act of war. It, there's, you know, there's, this is not a protest. People calling it a protest, absolutely it's delusional. Um, is, is, you know, they weren't calling what they were doing a protest. They were calling it uh, an attempt. They were, they were there to take back their country, and they were going to do it by any means that they possibly could. And what's the they, famous saying that people have about relationships? You know, when people show you who they are, believe them. Believe them. <laughs> They told you who they are. You don't yeah. have to add any layers to it. But they came in with those those handcuffs. They came in yep. their Pipe images bombs. with you know. But they downplayed it in the news. What was yes. shocking is the news. You know, it took more than twenty four hours before the news openly said, "Oh, here are individuals who are carrying." You know, and even with the bombs. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, it's sort of like a. You know, one liner in the fifth paragraph of of, of an article in, in multiple and, newspapers. And if we didn't have social media or the internet, the news media would not have come articulated this aspect of the storyline, right? No, you're exactly right because everything that I was, everything that I mentioned, like the pipe bombs, the weapons, the tactical gear, that was all coming through social media. So, like you were getting, if you like follow Sean King or if you follow any sort of any influencers, they were posting the things and they were highlighting it and calling out what was happening and that was so you're right love like that was not what was being communicated on the news on the news it was a light little light little protest happening outside the capitol building um and you know come for come see film at 11. right and, and it was you know don't nothing to worry about and if anybody who continues to think or believe that it was a, a big protest or a small protest you have not watched any of the video you have not actually seen what happened and what i mean by that is and this is where i get i get really livid is the day started with them protesting you know down the road trump comes out and he speaks and he riles him up and he says i'm gonna march with you or we're gonna go march down there of course he disappears they march down and you see if, and this is Washington D.C. is like the most protected city in this country for a lot of for a lot of very good reasons. Tons of law enforcement um, outfits and 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 companies, what have you. Um, you see thousands of people marching towards towards the Capitol. Your reaction should be: We Lock should down. be locking down, down, channeling this energy, sort of subjugating or depressing this energy. What was the choice that was made? Nothing. Nothing. Like the choice was made to like do nothing. It was and like everybody think, got a vacation day. Yes, tens right. of like thousand people coming. So then your next point is they hit the barriers at the Capitol, and they got through. Later, I find out they got through because they literally like opened up the barriers and like waved them through. Then you then they get to and so as they're coming through, someone should have made a decision. Wait, we need to defend and protect this building. Nobody decided to do anything. Then you get up the stairs to the to the doors, banging on the doors. Another decision point about we should do something about this. No decision. They break through and start com coming through the doors, coming through the windows. They're in the rotunda. They're running up the stairs. Where where is everybody? Like where is security? Where where is law enforcement? That and so it's just like every single moment there are stages where you could you had an opportunity to do something. You see what's happening. 
the escalating national emergency that's happening, and you let them in. Like you literally let them let's, in. Let's yeah. let's be let's be perfectly honest here. Um, they were let in. This is as much of an inside job as I've ever seen. The, the military, I mean, because as you mentioned, anybody who's ever been to DC, you know that place is heavily guarded and everything is monitored. Yes. Okay. I, if, you put your, if you put your book bag down, you know, somewhere near the White They'll House or the Capitol building and you walk 10 feet away from it, somebody's going to come shortly thereafter and grab you and say, is that your bag? Or, you know, they, or they'll shut down the whole city block. For for yep. something as as minor as someone leaving a book bag behind, right? So as they should. It's the nerve center of our government. Like, thousands of people screaming to the high heavens that they're coming to take over the government, giving you a warning. They're telling you. They're posting it on social media. They're live streaming, right? And they're marching slowly. They're, you know, they're marching to the Capitol building. So it's all you, you're seeing all of it. And then what do we see from? the videos inside the, the, the Capitol building. Selfies. We see police officers and security and, and, and military officers standing there as people walk through the building. Standing, literally just standing. And not I have standing. never seen anything like it. Jacob, when I was in high school, we did, you know, the typical high school visit to DC. And I, to this day, I still remember we were standing in line for the White House visit and they have a big sign outside that said, you know, here are the things not allowed inside. It's like no guns, no bombs, no this. And it said no nunchucks. And I, in my, you know, bad taste and humor. It was the 90s, but, yeah. Nunchucks were like, nunchucks were the thing back then. That was the thing. I everybody wanted nunchucks. So I turned to my friend Greg and I'm like, nunchucks? Really? I, that's exactly what I said. Nunchucks? Really? Security guard came across the way. We're still outside in line took us both offline and said, we do not use that kind of language in this place. That sounds like a threat. If anything else comes of you, your whole group is out of here. Oh, yeah. That sounds okay. like DCI. I, I was in high school. That's the DCI. And I literally said nunchucks because it said it on the sign. And I thought it was kind of funny that that's the weapon we had on the no-no list. Right. So if I almost got kicked off for literally reading something off of a sign and these folks marched okay. through reacted to it they were yeah. inside Look, offices the, that have information that not everyone should have access to taking confidential information you're absolutely right you have the you have the congress people they have their ipads their laptops um they, they have all their papers you know you got papers well, coming from that, NSA and, and all different agencies. You know, this the, is top secret stuff. This is the seat of government. There's that, and like there was no like there were pictures. Like they had no. They literally got up and ran out. Like computers were still on. Like still accessible. Like emails were still up. So like anybody with the presence of mind could have gone in there and like just rooted around Scanded, the computer. Right. And then, and who knows what, who knows if somebody did that or how many people did that, like what information they have. Like well, the the one thing is, you know, these are mouth breathing cretins and probably can't read very well. So the the, the, the chances of stealing top secret information you know is, is low. Um, but still, if if we happen to have a few uh, book readers of a fifth grade level in that uh, group, there there might be some problems. I don't the thing that I I, I would I would have I would love to say yes, except that in that group, you have people who are 
who were police officers. Who were teachers across <laughs> the country. Like you have people who are nurses and doctors. Like yeah. this it's, it's, yeah, there's, there's well, a lot of craziness, but then there's also a lot of people who are professionals who are just conservative. So, so Trump won seventy a, million votes. Oh yeah. So yeah. this was also a, a great way to see who within our communities, because there were people from all over. These weren't just local DC residents. Yeah. So there is an owner of a restaurant in Eastham on Cape Cod, right? This is like the most popular restaurant for that area. Everybody goes there. It's called Arnold's. It's in Eastham, Arnold's. And they sell like the clam bar and lobster. So apparently the owner of said establishment was down there. Why do we know this? Because he decided to post on either Instagram or, or Twitter saying, I had no idea it was going to go in this direction. I had no idea that this was the, you know, it's going to turn violent and, and people were going to break in. Lies. Uh -huh. Second thing is, we're in the midst of a pandemic still. So you decided to travel uh -huh. from the Cape, not just the mainland of Massachusetts, the Cape. It's a it's really a pain in the neck to travel from the Cape anywhere, right? So mm -hmm. this person decided to go all the way down there. My gut says the only reason that he admitted to actually being there is because somebody probably saw him and yeah. he was videotaped, he was photographed, whatever the case may be. And this was his half-ass attempt at making an excuse for being down there. So you're right. Like there are a lot of people who hold positions, businesses, you know, degrees who were yeah. down there and were ready yeah. to do whatever was necessary. Yes. And that's a scary thing. Very yeah, scary. and he showed, so he showed up to this rally and, and sees a bunch of people walking around Confederate flags and, you know, Camp Auschwitz shirts on and, and mm -hmm. you yeah. know, Nazi uh, pro, uh, um, propaganda, uh, propaganda um, symbols. Mm -hmm. You know, let's, let's be honest who these people are. This is an element that's been part of modern society for a long time now. It's, they're fascists, they're Nazis, they're Klansmen. Um, they do not believe, as much as they talk about freedom, they don't believe in freedom. They're tired, they, they, they are committed to tyranny. Um, and that's what they were fighting for. Um, and that's what they're still fighting for. And we saw this happen, you know, Hitler tried to lead a coup, I guess in 1923 or something like that, nine years, and it was unsuccessful. Nine years later, they had a successful coup. This is a story that has been played out in, in countries. It was played out in Italy, it was played out in Spain. Um, and, and it's part of this ongoing, you know, antagonism between the left and the right. And the problem is the right happens to have a huge portion of its membership comes from the police and the military. They, they had the majority of people in the police and, and, and the military are part of the right. And so that's why you saw what happened, um, the other day, like we said, if it was black people, um, if it was a bunch of feminists marching, they would have been shut down. Okay, we've seen the images from the 60s when students try to take over campuses, university campuses. They came in, they they gassed the place out, they shot people, right? That's on university campuses where there's no real power. Okay, I'm an academic, I know. Um, <laughs> but in D.C., this is the seat of government, and they had nothing to deter these people. The reason is they were okay with it. The people on the ground, the, the people who were supposed to protect this country, were in favor of that uprising, which tells us that we're in a very, very dangerous place, that the people who are supposed to protect the um, democracy are enemies of it. All right, and this is not going to be the last go. This is no, just- There's, there's just already rumblings of something on the 19th and the 20th, and it's, 
Everyone, there's, no, there's no reason to expect it to be. There, there really isn't. Like you said, this has been a situation that is just getting more exaggerated every day, right? And years, you know, several years ago when Trump was first starting to run, everyone kept saying, oh, he's going to lose to this person. He's going to lose to this person. And then he kept beating everybody. And then they said, oh, we're going to impeach him. Oh, the Republican Party is going to fall apart. And then he won 70 million votes, right? So he lost the election, but you remember he lost that election by very not small very margin right. in but the like not enough. He didn't lose it by enough, or he certainly didn't lose it by the amount that everybody thought he was going to. But that also speaks to nobody thought he was really going to win. There were some, like some in in his quarters that thought he was going to, like they were confident, but a lot of people in government did not think he and, and I remember that night, and they have the TV on. And and he the, his expression on his face, he was oh, like, yeah. "Oh shit, I yeah. I won!" <laughs> like yeah. I would like the, his his face told the whole story of he did not expect to win, or and I I don't think it's it was his plan to win. It, I don't think he no, had he the was... desire. I think he had the desire to say I could have been president, and yeah. and then run with that. Parlayed um, into a TV show or something. Right, you know, right, he probably right. had yes. he had spent more plans on on his TV because show, or TV network that he was going to launch. That's branding that can work for him. The man who could have been president of the United States mm-hmm. versus, yeah, I just I I've no emotion over the last five because I, the thing that was very if in, interesting or kind of crazy was remember when he was inaugurated, the inauguration speech that day, and then like every single day like news alerts would like hit everybody's phones and like the news alert was a triggering thing because like every single day he was doing something and for me like it's every single day of that administration was an example of a complete lack of appreciation for government yeah and, and the dismantling for government and what government can and should be doing um, through closing of institutions through installation of people who should who had no experience or business being there um assigning people like it's it's it was a very systematic way of undermining the way in which our government is supposed to run and i think the tragic thing of it all is covid and you see like you you see what happens when there is a fundamental breakdown and that fundamental breakdown came at the wrong time um, because of COVID. And there was lots of points to react and respond and control or mitigate um, quarantine, and none of that was done. And here we are, nearly a year into this thing of us all working from home and millions unemployed, um, 4,000 people a day. Like, I don't, the numbers are so staggering that I don't think people really process like what the reality is. And that's what's upsetting to me. And then and then at 3.30 in the morning, when they decide, they act, Congress actually do their job and certify the election, seven senators and 100 and some odd legislators still had the compulsion to object. Which After is, the day that they had just gone through. Right, experience. And the thing that they had just experienced. Which is incredible. I, it's incredible. Because... The people who are galvanized by this storyline that, you know, the election was hacked, which is completely bogus. I mean, this was the most secure and free and fair election America's ever had, right? Um, but, but in addition to that, there's no evidence 
to any of the claims. Not to one of the claims. There's been no evidence. If there's like some sort of story or some sort of like literally everything has been shot down. In fact, Lindsey Graham in his speech that evening uh, when they went to ratify the the vote um, made that point. He said, I looked at all the different claims made about the election being, you know, fraudulent. And no one could provide me with any substantiating evidence for any of the claims. He said, you all said, uh, what, 60,000 people under the age of 18 voted in Georgia? He said, I said, and he said, bring me 10 um, examples of that, just 10 votes of someone under 18 having voted. They couldn't get them 10, okay? So not to mention, I mean, the, the idea that people under 18 are, are, are swarming in to right, vote right. when you can't get people over 18 to swarm in to vote. Um, Thank you very much, exactly. But, there's, there's, there's two things I want to respond to here. One is the first thing, you know, this is Trump and, and his party, and, and, and he now is the Republican Party. He is the right, right? This is Trumpist. Um, he, he has redefined the party in his image. Um, they are not just enemies of government. They're enemies of civilization. They're enemies of science. They're enemies of culture. Um, and so they've been trying to destroy all of those things that make civilization, you know, a rational enterprise, a world for equality mm-hmm. and decency and uh, all the things knowledge to flourish mm-hmm. you know all the right. things that we've have spent hundreds of years building Perfecting. they're trying to destroy it and it's so easy to destroy things that you can see yesterday right that's the thing that we've learned is it takes decades to build centuries to build rational and institutions and it takes five minutes to bring it down yep and it's like i don't there's, there isn't an appreciation or understanding for that reality, like how hard it is to build and how easy it is to destroy. Destroy. Um, yeah. But I think that Trump is, I, I have no desire to give Lindsey Graham credit for anything. I see Trump as an output of all of that. Because if you think yes. about the last, like you can kind of go back to before Barack Obama was elected. And I remember that first election and the, the escalation of anti-intellectualism in the Republican Party at yep. that point. And I was like, this is, Elitist, a, this is right. yes, these are the elites. And I was like, this is a very bad sign. And over the course of the Obama administration, that's when the Tea Party came up. And I thought for certain the Tea Party was going to destroy the Republican Party. And they somehow found a way to coexist and the Tea Party got absumed into the Republican Party. And at the end of, or in the midst of that, the, the Republicans were like, well, our our platform can speak to people. It's, it's, it's a valid platform. We just need to find a way to welcome in the minorities. I remember there was like a whole, mm-hmm. like, they had a whole summit about it. And they talked about the state of the GOP and our, our philosophies make sense. We just need to bring in more brown people into the fold. And, and what did, but what did they do? They didn't do any of that. They actually mm-hmm. turned against that and decided to double down on fascism and 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 then trump is the output of that and then he becomes the he becomes the spokesman the the symbol the the, he crystallizes a lot of these tendencies he embodies it he's like he's like the mascot for it he absolutely is the mascot and trump as a very good person who understands media like I, i don't i don't want i don't say that trump is stupid I think that Trump is a genius when it comes to media because he understands how to perform and he understands the power of television and the power of radio. And he gets who his audience is and he gets how they consume media and how they consume that 
diet of information and he he he, he exploits it and that became explicitly clear to me when those COVID teams came out with Woodward. Like if you listen to Trump and how he, he was actually articulating an understanding of COVID and what it was and how dangerous it was, like I, I, I said, whoa, he actually yes. knows what he's talking. He understands what, what he's saying. He gets that it's real. He gets that it's dangerous. He gets that it's deadly. But what does he do? He walks out, talks in front of people and says it's a hoax. Like nobody... Like that was to me the the most obvious moment of there's performers for yeah. the masses, but there's Trump. I'm going to find a way to to profit off of this and and to advance my agenda. Like nothing has been more clear over about Republicans and GOP and Trump than what we've seen in the last year. The unfortunate thing is that it's come at the price of hundreds of thousands of people. But let me ask this to either one of you, why do you think the Republican Party is so committed to following in this path? Like, at every turn, it's been, this is going to be detrimental for our country. This is going to, we are, we are, lo we are losing our stat status within the world. We are no longer seen as, as the world leaders, you know. But the My commitment from some of our, our representatives is really shocking to me. I, I don't know if I'm like naive about it or I think but that's two things. I think there's one, there's there's an underlying sense of superiority. Mm -hmm. There's it's the it's, there's it's the element of racism. Like there are people, white people who think that they are they are superior to anybody and everything, and they're mostly white men. White men who think there's a collection of them that think that they are. This is my theory or opinion. Mm -hmm. And that is what feeds kind of that's sort of the the ever present lowest common denominator there's always going to be a certain subset of people that believe that they are superior and should be in power and should everybody should be subjugated to them right. but the other thing is just sort of one of profit like i think that the one thing that i really find disingenuous about the gop is like they can do and say whatever they want but then when it happens on the democrat side then they suddenly find morality and mm -hmm. dignity and and for some reason Democrats taking the moral high ground becomes a detriment. It's a weakness. But the behavior that, that they displayed that elicited kind of the response for being the bigger person kind of gets ignored. And my theory is that they, you can, they found a way to benefit from the tearing down of something as well mm -hmm. as the rebuilding of something. So as you, as you strip away the impact of government and you reassign it to private business, I'm going to invest in these companies and make money off of how they profit, mm -hmm. off of providing services that used to come from the government. They profit off of that. If it collapses and falls apart, liberals come in and fix it. They find a way to profit off of that. And then they'll get to a certain point and it gets great. And then they'll go, wait a minute, that's too much government. <laughs> but you that's you should not be doing that. We need to claw it back. They find a way to like profit off of the entire cycle. That's sort of my working theory into mm -hmm. why it still exists and how they continue to drive the narrative because the opposite is not always profitable. So I, I think all that's uh, quite spot on. but I, I would I would point to another aspect, one of which is 
ideologicalization of the party, right? It became heavily invested in ideology and partisan politics. And there was a period in which the Democrats controlled Congress, I think, for like 35 years before the Gingrich Revolution in 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Reagan Revolution and the Gingrich Revolution had the effect of defining the party as committed to a very narrow ideological line. And the Koch brothers played a significant role in that by creating all these institutions that sort of generated and promoted this ideological line. And, and you know, figures like Grover Norquist and, and um, a, a variety of other uh, sort of political entrepreneurs built up this apparatus of institutions uh, and organizations that reinforced this rigid ideological program. And what that ends up ha- what that ends up doing is infecting the minds of the Republican base. So they're committed to pretty much anyone who does who deviates from the party line is to be punished very aggressively. So what happens is the people who end up rising to the top in the Republican Party, the ones who are the most disciplined followers of the Republican line, that's why the Republicans in Congress tend to have straight down the line party votes, right? The the Democrats (laughs) tend to be a little bit less disciplined, you know, but the Republican Party Mm -hmm. is incredibly, in in Congress is incredibly disciplined. That's why Mitch McConnell is so powerful. Mm Because traditionally the the Senate, the majority leader in the Senate is not necessarily a powerful person because every senator is quite a powerful individual given just the restricted number of uh, members in in that body and and how, you know, anybody can filibuster, et cetera. So you get this great deal of constraint and thus you end up selecting for people who tend to be very much just committed to Lemons. lemons. Well, these are not independently minded individuals, and and not to mention when it comes to politics, generally what you're getting is people who are quite vain, um, who lack integrity, who are just desperately craving to have position, status, power, money, but don't have real convictions often, right? I mean, you uh, say and, that, and with... so so either you have people who are are vain in this kind of way, or or, or they are genuinely con- committed, but they're so, the the rabid dogmatists, right? And so I think that ends up becoming the essence of the party is is these these vain uh, people without any integrity who see their role as just following the party line. But there's also these the, the pressure system of the Republican Party where you're constantly feeling the pressure. I mean, we've seen with um, you know Republicans being driven out of office, you know. Who you know Republicans who had office for who many years who get driven out of office in primaries because they get Republican challengers who claim that they're not sufficiently conservative, et cetera, et cetera, right? And the Tea Party mm-hmm. played a role in that, mm-hmm. and so I think that's one part of it. And so then when someone like Trump comes in, they just do what they tend to do, which is fall right in line with their leader. The media, I think, you know, the, the Fox News and then OAN. And then a lot of these um, ideological movements, particularly as they manifest on the internet, sort of just channel the spirit of Trump. And then that puts pressure on on these Republicans to conform because initially a lot of these Republicans were opposed to Trump. You know, someone like Elizabeth Graham and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and several other figures, you know, when before he became very powerful, before he started winning a lot, said he's a danger. And then all fo- fell in line once he got elected. So well, they fell in line once they once they saw the crowd size. Right. Like, yeah. Once they saw who, how many people were out there supporting. Like, oh wait. But I think the one thing that I don't, the one thing that I do disagree with you on is I don't know if politicians get into politics because they're vain and 
I think I take a less cynical view in that I think that a lot of them get into it because they they think that they they think they can make society better or do something better for people or they're reacting to something that they don't like. So like they may they may not like liberalism and they want to kind of correct it. I I don't think it's I don't think it's sort of vanity for vanity's sake. I think I think many of them kind of go at it because they really want to make the country better. And mm -hmm. and somewhere along the way, due to politics and due to corporate money and due to all sorts of things, you can kind of lose your way and then forget why you were there or why you started out. But but the other as you were kind of going through that, the one thing that also kind of occurred to me is that the, the, the Republican Party of today is not the Republican Party of the 90s or of the 80s. Like there's been an evolution in what the Republican Party sort of focused on, sort of going from a, a economic sort of conservative approach. Like it's all about like lower taxes and like and and smaller government to a socioeconomic conservatism and as that evolution happened then there was there was an attachment to religion and evangelicals or protestants or what have you to kind of expand the base and expand your masses but and i think over between the 80s 90s and 2000s that's where this the notion of extremism has been introduced and you get the there've always been the fringes but the fringes have never been have never um been, the they've never been connected mm -hmm. they've oh, been small little pockets so yeah. as you have a you have a political evolution that 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 tracks with a technological evolution and i was thinking about this the other day i think we're the best generation and i think it not because we're awesome but because we've lived through we've an evolution all. of so many things like we've there i don't think there hasn't been any generation where so much has changed in one time. Yes. And I think the pivotal thing that's changed for us is sort of the access to information. But like we understand what it means to not have everything at the push of a button. We understand what it means to research something, to look up something. We understand what it means to 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 not be beholden to a device all the you time. You can read like a map. Have free time. You can read yes. a map. Like there's we have the we've we have the built-in experience of a non-digital life, but the digital life came to in came to existence as we were growing up. And so we were able to adapt through it. And the generations before us were dealing with eight tracks and records and can't cope with like the speed of it. But so like we, and I think we were able to adapt it because our parents were like working. Yeah. Like, okay, let me take a step back and go back. So like generations again. So you have, the kids of the silent generation who are sort of very not um not very focused on their kids they really treat their kids as adults and then these people have kids and they cater to them they dote on them um the whole dr spock thing comes through them they grow up and they have the next generation of kids and they're so and as each generation goes on they're they're focused on what it how to become better in society, how to make it in society. And so we, our parents are always working. Mm -hmm. At least mine were, always mine working. Well, I was working. And, and I had to go to school. I walked Last to school weekend. by myself. Yeah. I like cooked by myself. Like you learn how to yeah. do things alone. Plus we didn't have um, devices that. And um, we didn't have devices that like, did, you taught yourself how to do things. You had and to have an imagination. Because generations like, after live. us are, mm -hmm. have no idea what a non-digital life is. 
And this so is funny I, because we, we this is a point that I make all the time. And so you're Jacob, stealing my lines. Jacob but, just uh, called them. No, seriously. Yeah. Yesterday or two days ago, Jacob and I were talking about this, like my kids and, you know, that area. And it was almost like they're a lost generation. They, mm-hmm. in some ways, are lost in how to be. How, how to be they, themselves I, or how to they, do things because they don't. Yeah. They've never had to think about how to do no. something because it's, it's, it's there for you. It's done for them. Like, like our whole lives, all we have are faced with challenges. Right. We're, yeah. we're constantly facing it's, challenges. Even when the internet came in, we had to learn how to use it. And, and the, the first and stages of it wasn't that uh, not seemed, relying on wasn't it, that uh, reliable. You take away one of their devices from them, watch how quickly they apart. get bored. They fall apart. They have no idea what to do. We, I could sit in a room quietly for an hour and just have an amazing right. imaginative experience because that's how you had to do as a kid, you know. But within that, is the speed of things right. is, 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 is the important factor. It's kind of like we know what to do with ourselves in a, quarant- in, in a pandemic when there's mm-hmm. nothing to do. Like we know how to occupy our minds for this next generation where everything comes at a speed, at an ease, without effort. It should come quickly. I should be able to do these things that I want to do because I've always done them. I've, been, I've never had another choice. You push a button so, and it gets done. You push and, a button and also that immediacy it. destroys a sense of history. I think that immediacy destroys a sense of history. Uh, I, whereas we I do have it, a deep sense of history. I mean, one, we have lived a very historical life. An appreciation uh, for process yes. and how to get things done. And so if that technological progress is happening, along with the political progress and a socioeconomic one, and this is getting back to the point of like you had these, these little fringe groups, these little fringe racist groups all around the country couldn't really connect with each other. Maybe they're like four friends. Okay, my four friends, my three friends, we're going to like complain about something, but like it's not going to go very far. Now I can talk to the 10 people in the next city over there. We're going to talk to the 20 people in the next city over there. Which is how we got. We're going to have a monthly regroup, a monthly group and get together and plan a thing and, and fly off to the nation's capital. Like, so that's yeah. what that's what's underpinned the the evolution of the GOP, and then you have this Tea Party. That's a complete sort of. I I think that I again I thought that they were going to destroy the GOP, but like they found a way to exist. But like the the core animus that was mm-hmm. in within them still remained, and then became assumed by the GOP, and then it grew. It's like yeah. a cancer. It grows because it's feeding and it's getting more people. And it's, and it's more pulling money. into different parts. And of it's the... pulling and, it, and it's, starting to, it's starting to then expand out into different parts of society. And then as we think about how we've made a lot of progress um, um, from a, a, a social perspective, like they have something to react to. They have something to build upon. And that's, I think, how you get to people decided this is where the echo chamber the like you 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 start to surround yourself by people who are like-minded and as you surround yourself mm-hmm. by people who are like-minded you start to believe the thing that you believe is right and as you believe the thing that you think is right everything else is wrong right. and There's and you no longer one or the other yeah one or the other and you no longer interrogate whether you're right or wrong and then when you're confronted with something you don't examine it you say, no, you're wrong, I'm right. And it's all about winning. It's no longer about figuring out the right solution. And so in, the, in that evolution, there was a move away from compromise and bipartisanship. Like, I feel like the last people who were like really good bipartisan people were um, Ted Kennedy and um, 
what was the one who recently died? McCain. John McCain. Like, yeah. They knew what it meant to be like, I have my thing that you, I want. You have your thing that you want. Let's meet in the middle. Let's they were, they were proud. And you would not being compromised. You would like, not get what you not get everything that you wanted, but you would get some. Now right. in the position of I want everything that I want, and I'm not going it's, to. It's 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 a battleship. It's a battleship. It's, battleship. it's, it's a battleship. like I'm yeah. I'm going to sink your battleship because there's only room for yeah. one. And so, it's less about it's a, and it's less about doing the right thing. It's about winning, and it's about convincing you that you're wrong and I'm right. So let's go. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. And like Trump said, we will not concede, but you know, people don't concede elections anymore. They don't concede in debates. You know, and if you're not conceding points in discourse, then there's no learning that can possibly take place. That means mm -hmm. there is nothing to be gained from listening to this other person. But the manifest mm -hmm. irrationality of that position uh, is revealed by the fact that we all live in this country together. So if you're not willing to learn from other people who share this country with you, then that means that you're not willing to participate in what politics is, which is building a shared world together, not right. just having your own values and con commitments and then imposing that on other people. And you saw that in the in the um, uh, insurrection the other day, where they were saying, this is our house, this is our country, this is not their country. You know, it's like we all live like, here. You know, the, <laughs> the, the elections are so close in this country, you know, you got 70 million people over there, 70 million on this side, and you're saying all 70 million of you are not Americans. I mean, come on. So mm -hmm. how we get to that point, I think, you know, you make excellent points. And 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 one thing I'd say is part of the immediacy, the way in which um, the right and, and the left too nowadays is indoctrinated politically is through is not through books, right? So I actually used to be a member right. of the right wing, right? I used to be a, a libertarian. And the way we... Wait, I got into libertarianism, you know, we used to read books by like Hayek and Milton Friedman and stuff. And and, and then there were book clubs, mm -hmm. you know, and so we would deliberate about books. And I was at uh, several years ago, I was at an event and we were all sitting around. We we're like, how did the right become so stupid? And one thing that certainly seems to have played a role, like you said, is technological change. Now, it, it, it is not surprising that the current president Tweets. is a president who rules through Twitter. Right. Tweets. And, and that was actually the most powerful way acceptable? in which they could undermine his power mm -hmm. was by taking away his Twitter account. Yes. Because with Twitter, it's immediacy. There's no reflection Short, on the content. First. There's no, you know, when you read a book, you know, it's got... You have to research. You, you have, have to research. put effort into doing and writing a book. Like, read? it takes zero effort to write a 160-character tweet. tweet. It takes a lot of effort to write a book, and it takes a lot of effort to read a book. It takes no effort to read a tweet. And so nowadays, people also get accustomed to thinking in the form of tweets. Short and stress. so I see people post and they say, you know, X, Y, and Z happened. And I mm -hmm. go, fact check, I said that didn't happen. But they don't even know that you should look to see but, whether or not there's evidence this for your claim. They don't even have concerning. that sensibility. They don't understand what it is to make an argument um, in a rational mm -hmm. way. But I this is my concern for the future, though. If mm -hmm. this is if this is what we are getting, and I not and I say we, this country is getting used to in terms of how yes. we educate, in terms of how we share information. Like you said, the news you had to rely on the international news in order to get a better understanding of what was actually the going on. In DC. Yeah, what was going right. On. Yeah. So if this is what we're doing, and the biggest story is that you know Trump lost his Twitter account. Dear God, like where are we going to be in twenty years, and what kind of politicians are we breeding, and what mm -hmm. kind of world are we creating, mm -hmm. where we're not going to have these moments happening every election or every time someone feels as if 
their party or their group has been undermined in some kind of way. Like I'm actually fearful of it because I, before I insert my ideas into the children, I listen to kind of what they're saying because they're getting their information like everyone else in Mm -hmm. snippets. Mm -hmm. And so I'm realizing I'm like, they're not teaching. They're not, yes, I don't know what it's, I have no idea what it's like to be a student, to to be a kid in a school these days, like I I legitimately don't, like it's like I had a book that had a, I had a trapper keeper and I was like, like those days are gone, I can, but like, what does it mean to be a student today where you have your phone and can like look at information, any, like whatever you want at any point that you want, like it's, and the, the, the thing that's important within that is, the things that affect our lives today, the laws are written by people who don't understand that experience. Like you yeah. have people who are 60, 70, and 80 writing education law. Yeah. Who have no idea they what have no- to be a kid in school today. And they and don't that's yeah. that is part of the fundamental problem. Is like we've there are people there's so there's a disconnect between how laws are written and how and who they impact and and why they impact them the way they do. But I want to get back to the speed thing. The, the thing mm-hmm. that concerns me about speed is because you expect everything to come quickly, you have to consume it quickly, which yes. means you have to interpret it quickly, which means you have to understand it quickly and move on quickly. And I think we see the speed of things in news cycles like what was the big news yesterday will not be the big news tomorrow and in that and that to your point like what's going to happen in the future no one is going to be able to sort of reflect on a serious event that happens and then figure out what the what the what the appropriate reaction and consequences should be it's either you're going to react in the moment or you're going to get distracted by the next big thing, and you're going to move on. Yes. And you're not. You're not going to have everything adequately, yeah. like responded to the thing, and that's what I'm worried about. And even when the news is the way it's presented, everything's breaking news now. I remember breaking news used to be like when there was a, a major school shooting or something like that. But every time I turn on the TV, it's breaking news. It's so the like... form in which events are presented, it's almost as if this thing is just a discrete thing. It's today's event. Like so, for example, the, the rally. Yes. Or, or the way they presented the insurrection, you felt like, oh, that just is something that happened in the hours of three to six p.m. on this day, and and, I, and then it's done. And what you don't get, <laughs> but, and you don't see yeah, the news, you don't. See, and this is the the biggest problem, which is journalists aren't even genuine journalists anymore. They don't. You, you notice they don't editorialists. ask editorialists. That's what editorialists. Everyone's yeah. an editorialist. It's all about yeah. okay. So what's your opinion on it? What they don't give, like now you did, your yeah, word, and, and so what we tried sounds... to do, mm-hmm. uh, like no, what we they... tried to do. They don't, today, they don't is try to give a grander what's happening and why it's happening in yeah. a grander context in which yeah. events are taking place because only then can you really appreciate the significance and also parallels right so what does this structurally look like what is that what what's institutions are at risk by for because of this event but if what you say like some people just stormed a building What's the people significance don't even know the significance of, of the building. The they don't even know goes, the, the significance of, of the storming of a building like this. That particular building. What does that building represent? What kinds of information what, is stored in that building? What's the historical Histor- parallel? Historically like, speaking. Oh, well, this is something that looks very similar to what happened in Nazi Germany or, or fascist Italy, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right? This is something that happens all the time in a lot of uh, countries that we call third world, you know, countries that become dictatorships, right? And we're not getting that grander perspective. And so I'm watching the news and it's just so immediately focused. 
and also the sensationalism, right? It's, but it's a everything, picture book. Everything it's a picture book without be, any, any context. There's everything no, is a meme, right? Yes. Everything has to be immediately compelling. It has to grip you because people have no attention spans anymore. So you have to be able to well, grip the person. Partly, uh, but people are also very visual. Like well, they're, very visual. There's, there's the there's a power in television. I I yeah. love television. I think television is one of the most important technological advances in modern times. But but like we're not using it the right way. The ability yeah. to show you something that's happened halfway across the world yeah. that is a wonderfully powerful thing. Absolutely, but, and it's essential to democracy because but within well, people can only self-govern when they know yeah. what's going on in their world, right? But we've got into a place where we need to assume and consume in bite-sized moments. So you, you can't appreciate, you can't respond, and you can't think, and you don't react, and you, you literally move on. And so, like, you were saying that, yes, the riot was something that happened between 11 and 6 p.m., and that, the, and that is technically correct. Like, the riot happened. Mm -hmm. Okay. I get it. I saw it, but do I have time to worry about the consequence of it? Nope, because I'm going to move on to the next thing. Right, and because something new is coming happened. up the next day. Something yep. new is coming. And what's happened the next day? Trump has lost his Twitter account. And like that's the thing. And then that's tomorrow the it will be something else, and we will we will have forgotten that. Wait, thousands of people been, just stormed our capital, and there need to be consequences for that. But it's been this since his inauguration, mm -hmm. and actually prior to it. Every day, Every day since Trump has been a presence in the political sphere, we have literally gone, doo -doo -doo -doo, what is it today? What is it today? And, and it's been like that. It's, it's traumatic. And it's, it's impossible to grasp the significance of any one of the many things and of the whole, you know, administration, the whole four, past four years. The, I mean, really, the past, you know, the whole history of this country, to, to grasp any part of it, you really need to have a sense of the whole thing. But, you know, it's hard to grasp the significance of anything when everything is treated as a discrete one-off event. And it's like, mm -hmm. this is just a tweet. This is just a, you know, a, a protest. This is just a riot. But the full narrative scope, no one's deliberating about that and living with it and reflecting on it. We need a full assessment of the past four years and, and more than that, of course. But, uh, and, I, and I would hope that the Congress would do something like launch a full investigation into the past four years. Now, I don't think Biden wants to. The Democrats in Congress well, do have an animus towards Trump such that they might be willing to do something like that. I, I think that that really needs to happen for the purposes of accountability and learning, because we need to perhaps rethink how we organize our democracy in order to protect it. It has to be more robust than it is currently, because what this one person was able to do in terms of subverting our democracy and yes. almost overthrowing it. I mean, if he was more organized, if his team was more organized, um, they really could have. I'm, I, will, I will just sort of kindly remind you of a man named Robert Mueller, who conducted a big grand investigation <laughs> and uncovered a lot of shady information yes. that led to an impeachment, but that's all that led to. And I have, I have very little I would love to see what you're talking about, but like I have very little confidence that that anything is going to be done because we've got it's documented that a man, an alleged man, who became president of the United States somehow engaged in criminal behavior, criminal activity to varying degrees. And he's got a whole henchmen and henchwomen and hench people who supported him. Mm -hmm. 
some of them admitted to it. Well, here's the thing. Some of them, and we got these committed crimes of of saying these are the documented crimes that you've committed, and what happened to him? Well, no, he did have. He he was impeached, but like I ask you, what does impeachment mean? Well, it, it, without like, the Senate, without the Senate confirming it, it. It, it, well, it, means, it means like it, it tangibly means nothing. So right. when Pelosi says the president is impeached and she bangs her gavel, mm-hmm. okay. we all kind of go, well, he's still there and he's still tweeting and he's still. He's... Well, that's when he was still president. What happens when he's a private citizen? The statute of limitations has not run out on the crimes that he has committed. Uh, my point you, is that any DA can, can bring charges up against him, and, and a court of law is not the same thing as the Senate controlled by Mitch McConnell. And that's what protected him was the was was Mitch McConnell's Senate. He is now a private citizen. He doesn't have the privileges of a president. He does not have an army behind him. He you know, has. He doesn't have. Of, he has the privileges of a former president, though, and that. Is not insignificant. No, it's not insignificant, but it's certainly not is, the same thing. Are is this country prepared to take a formal president to court? I don't think so. I, I don't, I don't think, think. I don't think not but, in this what, day and time right now. No. Well, there's two different things here. One is whether or not that will happen. I was talking about what I hope happens and what needs to happen because oh, okay. uh, you have to you have to you have to destroy this the leadership of this movement. They have to all be imprisoned because. This is only going to get worse, and you have to destroy this thing while you still can, while the Democrats have the power to potentially do so. Because in 10 years from History now, it's taught, going so. to be a much well, more dangerous yeah. situation. If you let them get away with this, then there's... Well, that's there's, what, that's exactly it. But that's also my point is... Like, did you see those people? They, they sat down the, in the Speaker of the House's seat. It doesn't matter. of it. Of themselves, it doesn't, because... it doesn't, they're normal citizens, mm-hmm. and the, if you have you have a president, if you let them, the person who's in charge of everything, the leader of the free world, who's decided he could do whatever he wants, and literally does things that are contrary to legal code, yeah, and nothing happens to him. What is the what is there any expectation yeah. for something to really happen to anybody else? So, like, I think we're we're dangerously past the point of levying consequences and accountability because we've got plenty of of, of foundation to suggest that we're going to let it go. We're going to find a way to yes. let it go. And the what's different about it is that has been the course of human history. It's just a lot of that was never documented or small numbers of people knew the true story behind something. Now, everybody knows it. It has been on display for the entire world to see and for the entire world to take note. And it's like, hmm, I see what's happening over there. Interesting. I'm going to use it as my future playbook. Like, Trump has written the new, like, Prince book, The Prince. Like, Machiavelli's The Prince, yeah. which is, like, he has written a new updated version of that book. And we are all going to let it happen. But I think that we have a, there's a window. Um, and I think if the outrage is good or outrage is strong and great, then we can turn the tide. But it's a small window. It's a small window. And it's clear. Yes, it's, very, it's a very small window also because, like we said, the attention spans. Yes. You know, think, think about like long and forgotten. I, the Iraq war, for example, doesn't resonate with anyone as a relevant consideration in, in deciding, you know, who to vote for, evaluating people in the political space, right? 
several, you know, back back in 2004, it's super important. Today, no one talks about it. It doesn't mean anything, right? And so in a few years from now, Trump's presidency, this insurgency, all of these things Anecdotal. will not be treated with significance. And so you really have to take advantage of these moments when they are very salient and bring all the mechanisms of accountability to bear in, in, in handling these leaders and, and, and these crises. Otherwise, we're only going to exacerbate this tendency towards um, tyranny. I think you both make really, really excellent points. And I think what I would love to do is let's see what happens <laughs> no, seriously, tomorrow. The next, I was, was going to say the next We're two months. We're going to do this every day. Right, but no, the next two months. Give 2021 another week. <laughs> see what it could. It, it really, two months almost seems like too much time to let things go without concrete action or change mm-hmm. taking place within our government. But with Biden's inauguration right around the corner, and the vice president who used to be a prosecutor. I was just going to say that. Looking forward to that. <laughs> so. You know, if if within the first day of their time in office, some sort of vocal commitment to change isn't made, then I don't know what we have to look forward I mean, to. In they, the next their hand years. may be forced, though, because the FBI already is investigating. And the thing is, this leads back to the president. And there's no way you can investigate what happened that day, and it's not going to lead there um, across many dimensions, including not sending the National Guard in to um, remove these people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he he dragged his feet on that. In fact, mm-hmm. I don't even know if he ended up being the one who called them in. No, it was Pence uh, who called them in. Yeah, Pence called them in. And that's also great that he left his own rep- fellow Republican congressman to die. That, and that, they still that's voted. A scandal. That is a scandal right there, yes. Yeah. And that, that was my point about like decisions being made. It's like yeah. th- he left our government in a precarious state to yeah. to be killed and yeah. or to, to be taken down inciting. after <laughs> inciting them. And after all of that, we're still, we're, we still have these questions. Are yeah. we going to, should we be doing this? But like the gravity of what's occurred, it's, I think it's slowly starting to permeate people are understanding, but, yeah. but you're right. The window is small and, and, Very small. and it was, if we don't do something, yeah. people will move on. They will. And so let's hope by the time we air this, that it's not already forgotten news <laughs> that this catastrophe took place, which will be really in just a handful of days. But Ian, this has been such a wonderful discourse with you. And thank you always, Brother Jacob. Mm-hmm. Brother Jacob. <laughs> this is reminiscent, though, of the time in the... Was yeah, it the, the Art, House, Hotel? Art House Hotel? Art House Was it the Art House Hotel? Whatever. We were at a hotel. The hotel that we and, all and hung we out in. we were debating whether or not... Oh, just, just a few weeks ago. Yes. A few months ago. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking... I thought you meant some other friend. I was like, wait, I, I don't know. We like, I wasn't there for that. I wasn't there for that. Because this is, we were discussing. Well, we were debating whether or not Trump was going to die of COVID. And I was upset because y'all weren't were putting out the right. That's right. Uh, juju, you know. And, and, we threw off the juju. I do remember Jake was very upset. But yeah, I also remember yeah. having really great Chinese food that night. That was a good night. <laughs> that was a good night. I didn't realize that. Was that was a great night. It was yeah, a good really... move to have Chinese food when, you know, Trump, uh, yeah. In your face. Yeah. I, but, but, but you think is, I forgot that that was, not that I forgot that Trump had COVID, but like I forgot that like that was, that was the moment of the day. Like, yeah. that was. Like, See? 
COVID. That was the highlight of that day. That was it the highlight of that day. And then we, it was over. <laughs> and we moved on from it. If yeah. we did, like we all forgot that that was a big thing. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much. It's been awesome. And we'll talk soon. Yes. Thank you to our host, Clover Media Group, Kev from BK for our visual arts, and the fire intro song, Filthy, by TVP Records. Podcast system.